0: Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. We are coming at you after the Man City victory on Monday versus Brentford. And behind the mics for what seems like a very long time, you have myself at FPL USA, Brian, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan, aka at FPL Blackwolf. And even more special guest, we have at FPL underscore Harry joining us. A man of many names across the FPL community, but he is one of the true gurus. He represents Fantasy Football Scouts and has his own YouTube channel, which is absolutely smashing it. So, gents, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing super well. It's really good to be podding with you again, Brian. It's been such a long time. I've been talking to Bucks for a while. I'm kind of tired of his his voice, so it's nice to get the the sexy deep one back.
0: I mean, with that being said, you would have liked him to be on the pod this week to absolutely rub it in his face that your Wolverhampton (laughs) Wolves destroyed our Chelsea Blues. So Bucks and myself are Chelsea supporters. He drinks the Kool-Aid nonstop like he's a true diehard. I'm a little bit more pessimistic as a Chelsea fan. And then I believe Harry, I think you're a Chelsea supporter too, right?
2: Yeah, it hasn't taken us long. We've already got to that. Uh, yeah. Chelsea fan. <laughs> and for my sins, a season to get older as well. So I have to go and endure the the pain of watching us lose week in, week out at the moment. I've had a lot of highs, but it is feels like a lot of lows at the moment.
0: Yeah, the last couple of years have been absolutely shambolic to, yeah. to say the least in the way that this team is put together. But that is leaving a gigantic smiling Uh, face over here in the zoom with dan so i'm sure he can gloat about the wolves a little bit later so before we get into some of the game week recap let's uh just jump into it harry you tell us and the listeners a little bit more about yourself and how long you've been playing fpl
2: yeah so um for anyone i'm harry uh I live in London, and yeah, as I said, I'm a I'm a Chelsea fan. Um, I've yeah been a Chelsea fan all my life, and I've been playing FPL for about seven seasons now um so I'm 25 years old so I started when I was about 18. um I started actually because I wear a barber in the UK so I used to go and get my hair cut um I used to talk to them always about football and then one year they went in and they said oh why you always talk about football why don't you join our league and, and from that moment I was hooked when I was younger I used to help my dad with his work league here and there but as soon as I got to that point and I got my own team from that point onwards. It, and the first season, I didn't really know what I was doing and it went pretty well. Um, and I won that league. So from then on, I was like, well, this is it. This is it. I'm hooked. And from there on out, the rest is just gone from there. Couldn't get enough of it, basically.
1: And we have to mention the fact that over the past three years, I think your average rank is what, 1.8K or something like that?
2: yeah so the part like if you go back a little bit further it does drop but yeah past three ranks have been yeah incredible all inside the top 5k so yeah truly
0: impressive especially as the game continues to grow i know we always talk about top 10k as being the kind of holy grail of a really great fpl season so to have you know top 1000 finishes and um under your belt that's truly amazing and i'm just curious you know when did you start your your own youtube channel and just Kind of go all
2: in on fpl i started on twitter just to sort of chat to more people as i think most of us do um and then i went on to youtube probably i think this is my this is my fourth season of doing it like what i would say pretty full-time where i upload videos like three or four times a week i did it a little bit before that just sort of in my spare time maybe you know a live stream every couple of weeks once a month Um, And then it was, I know a lot of people did this, but it was during lockdown. So when we came into that season where we had the sort of back end of one season where we were in lockdown and it was the next season afterwards where I was sort of in London on my own. I didn't have that much to do with my time and I just started doing a few more things. And then by the time we came out of lockdown, I had been enjoying it too much that I decided that, yeah, I just keep pushing with it a little bit more. It's amazing. It's really great to
0: see your channel continue to grow and obviously taking parts of the fantasy football scout community videos i know i've been watching burning questions you know last year with Pros and Sinaldo, and now you've stepped in there and done a great job as well so great to see that voice of yours continue to grow
2: it's, um, it's nice um i like videos are great, like 10, 15 minutes. I can be concise when I talk to myself, but pods are nice. Like I love being invited on pods because I just get to talk for like an hour about it rather than (laughs) having to be concise. And I can just, you know, chat rather than having to plan exactly what I'm going to say. So yeah, it's nice to be on here and it's nice to do that, that burning questions one as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's the, the approach that Dan Bucks and myself take just to have a little bit of banter and talk about the teams and we let the uh, the swears fly from time to time around this podcast, especially uh, again when we're trying to rate this Chelsea team. It's been uh, it's been <laughs> not safe for work a few uh, episodes this year. So um, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to enjoy yourself this week. And then, out of curiosity for you, you know you live in London. Game is obviously super popular there. Do you have any advice to? the rest of the world who are starting to get involved in FPL? And and where do you see some more of the growth beginning to uh, take place as we have now surpassed, you know, 11, 12 million managers? Mm. You know, where do you think that number can go in the next three to five years?
2: Yeah, so I I think there will be growth in the number of of players. I think particularly uh, like globally, I think in the UK, the amount of people that play it, like I would say, 75% 80% 75% 80% of people in the UK it feels like play the game that are you know sort of 20 to 50 years old a lot of them play a lot of them who work for sure play the game so I think there's gonna be a lot more people like globally as the game becomes bigger as the Premier League continues to try and become as big a global brand as it does it's a great way for people who are not necessarily as familiar with all the teams to get engaged with the Premier League in a bigger way and then it's just the once they've entered into it just becoming more and more engaged with it right so although your player base might not go up the amount of people who are actually playing the game like seriously is definitely going up every year we find the game harder and harder every year right so we just know that it's it's, it's more tough because we just got more people that enjoying it and wanting to play it seriously every year yeah
0: and that's one thing i think from a u.s perspective we have Things like Goal Rush, where you get to watch a main feed of a game, but they show all of the big highlights, you know, mid game mm. from from the other ones. But I think a future integration has to be the Premier League really propping up the fantasy Premier League game more. You know, that's that's something yeah. that they never reference at halftime or in fan zones or anything. So it's just pretty peculiar to me because there are methods here in the US. It's called Red Zone and it's like all NFL all day long, commercial free, every single scoring play, big play, et cetera. And it's just all about fantasy. Like there's, they're so all in on it. And uh, I think that's something that I would mm-hmm. love to see the premier league just get more involved with supporting the game and and getting new uh, players to join.
2: Yeah. It's definitely better than it used to be. Um, like occasionally you hear it in commentary. Occasionally you hear it um, like on the radio you know pundits mentioning how their team has done but yeah that's about it it's not set you know regulations of it of it being covered um we need to get more of the games on the tv in the uk before they start throwing away <laughs> LA. um that's, that's a contentious that's a contentious topic right in the uk about whether we should be able to watch all of the
0: games right um, yeah i'm sure right. i'm sure I'm sure, there. I'm sure dan can uh okay. chime in there because he's had it both ways so uh you're you're you get to watch a lot more of the matches these days dan
1: yeah moving here I was shocked that you can watch every single game even the 3pm games where I'm from are like 7am in the morning and you can watch them all so mm. it's really yeah, different. It's
2: of, yeah like I as a like Premier League fan I, it doesn't impact me because I wouldn't I don't go and watch lower league football whether the 3pm's are on telly or they're off so from my point of view like I'd like to watch the games at three o'clock particularly from an FPL point of view but From their reasoning, like you get why they do it. You look at some of the data about how many fans there are in non-league football at the moment, how much the attendance is still growing, how much revenue those clubs are still turning over by attendance. Like you get completely why they do it. But for me, like I just like to watch my FPL team play at three o'clock on a Saturday. You
1: want to watch Burnley versus Luton at 3pm on a Saturday? (laughs)
2: exactly exactly i wanted to watch that newcastle looting game this weekend at three o'clock is exactly what i wanted to watch but unfortunately i was stuck with uh sky um soccer saturday which is not the end of the world because there are normally a lot of goals and they fly in so something a bit different all right that's
0: a great introduction to harry and his credentials so let's now move ahead and take a look at our game week 23 recap dan let's start with you how did your game week go
1: it was looking pretty rough after that first game, the Tottenham game, as a non rich Allison Ola. You're telling me. I, yeah, I, you're telling I decided me. To, uh,
0: I decided to sleep through that match. I was out having a few drinks on Friday, and I just decided, look, I don't own Richie. I don't think Poro's going to get a big haul. I'm just going to sleep through the 4.25 a.m. alarm, which is usually set, and that's usually the time that Dan and I start our text yeah. exchanges is, is that early in the morning here in the West Coast in California, so... Man, I woke up to that at about 6.45 and I just wanted to s- smash my phone, not owning Richarlison yet again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know, Harry, you've talked about this in your videos. It's that case of not wanting to bring a player in because they're blanking in blanking yeah. game week 26. <laughs> and then just returning, returning, returning every single week and doing that stupid fucking pigeon dance that I, can't, <laughs> I just can't look <laughs> at him anymore. So, uh, honestly, I mean, he's to look at
2: it. If- I'm going to have to look at it for the next two weeks as well, right? Because I'm not (laughs) buying him now, am I? I'm just going to have to hold firm until the blank. And if he continues to do what he does, right? Yeah, that was a painful start to the game week. And it felt like, I was like 15 point return. So against like the crowd, that's like a seven point that you're just down on the average, which feels like so much when everyone's teams look identical. So yeah, it wasn't a great start to the week. Yeah, I mean, he's doing that
0: pigeon dance time and time again, and then he's just shitting on our FPL teams. That's what's happening, Dan. A lot <laughs> of pigeon poop happening right now for Charleston, but he's a man in form. So uh, I also just like not owning him. And then I took a hit this week. So I woke up. And I'm like, wow, I'm on negative three points. Poro got a one pointer. It's uh, not even 7 a.m. here in the West Coast. And I am down big to a lot of managers. So that, that was a tough one to stomach early.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we had, of course, the the Watkins 18-pointer, and I did not captain him. But to be honest, I I never considered it, so it it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I I was never going to captain him away to Sheffield United, yeah. And then today's game, the 20-pointer from Foden, when honestly I was so close to benching him for Bowen. It was a 50-50 decision to me. And I went with Foden in the starting lineup purely because he was the Monday game, and I was going to watch it. And I thought a nice last second green arrow will be nice. And to get 20 points is just crazy variance. So I went from a 20% red arrow to a 25% green arrow just from this game. Very yeah, nice. Like the,
2: be- the benching headaches this week, like there will be people oh. who bench Foden. And I don't even think, like looking at it now, of course, it's painful, right? It's horrible. But it doesn't feel like it was the wrong decision. Like people had Solanke, like you had Gordon at home to Luton, like you had Palmer, you had Saka, like Watkins like you had Richarlison in there as well, like Foden away at Brentford, given where he played last week, given that we weren't certain he was even going to start this game. Like it wasn't, it looks awful now because he's got 20 and he played pretty centrally, but looking at how he played the last game, wasn't the worst decision. I don't think to bench him, but yeah, it's, it's a hard one to take if you did bench him this week,
0: Dan and I captain Foden last week. So, yeah, so to you have that, uh, yeah, to have that 12 points last week, you could have, just done that last week. That would have given us a nice 40 point yeah. captaincy. Oh, that that's what dreams are made of there. But yeah, I think with with Foden, you know, we're just eager to see how the rest of Pep's well-oiled machine is going to churn out goals. And it was interesting to see them play an uber attacking lineup today with uh Alvarez also starting, Holland and KDB fits. I mean, this this team is fit at the right time and they're gonna make a serious push here in the games ahead. So yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where it's the the curse of eight attackers is a real thing, right? Like earlier in the season, you might have Son, Salah and Holland and all your money is tied up in seven attackers and you just play those each week. And now we're seeing a lot of, you know, Garnacho, for example, he gets a, a super brace, but he's the cheap asset that hadn't scored in yeah. two or three weeks. So it's easy first bench and then he comes off. So you're going to see a lot of benches with 25 plus points, I think, this game week.
1: Yeah, so I, yeah. I I finished on 81 points, um, a green arrow up to 57K. Um, I got my benching decisions right for the first time in a long time with Gabrielle and Bowen on the bench. So happy days for me this week.
0: Very nice, very nice. Let's transition to you, Harry. How did you fare this game week?
2: Yeah, so again, I started pretty badly with no Richarlison. And then I, had, I kept triple Newcastle. I've been holding Newcastle for a few weeks, had them all on my bench for like the past two or three weeks looking at their awful fixtures, thinking this run, I want them for this run. And it, it went all right. Like Dubravka De was Debravka, but like no goalkeeper did anything this week. Gordon, I feel so unlucky with Gordon, right? It's just that four pointer. He went off at halftime. He's now got an injury. That game had four goals in it. I just think what well, he could have done if he'd have been on the pitch for the, for the second half. But I did keep Kieran Trippier. So that was the sort of differential that made up for not owning Richarlison. So when he came in with that Assist and then the late goal charging in at the the back post. I was yeah pretty pleased to see see nine points from from trips coming there and then Saka nine, Palmer eight and then yeah Foden and and Harland cap for me this evening. Yeah was was pretty nice. I bench Gabrielle. Um, another really positive of keeping here was that I meant I didn't have to stick with that own goal. So I got a I was on a bit I was on a red arrow going into tonight and I've ended up moving from 40 K up to 27 K with 83 points this week. So yeah, Foden has done absolute wonders for me tonight.
0: Very nice. Very nice. That's a great feeling, especially the last game Mm. of the game week. I know Dan mentioned that that was the reason why he played Foden. So good to see him come off with a hat trick. And we're hoping that he continues his form as the double game week approaches, because with the late announcement of Luton and Liverpool in the double we now have them doubling as well as the likes of Man City so that will be a large part of our episode later just focusing on the double and how you prepare to handle game week 25 and game week 26 we'll transition quickly just to give Bucks a shout out he could not join us today he is ill his little toddlers have gotten him sick so he is swearing at the heavens about uh, the prices of daycare and the germs from daycare so Feel better soon, Bucks. We'll, we'll be uh, potting in your memory here. He ended up on 89 points, very healthy. And he is finally getting a nice green arrow. And he's continuing his great season. I think he's in the top 30K or something like that. So hopefully he'll continue that trend upwards. Yeah, he's,
1: he's gone up to 35K right now. So it's a good game week for him.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And we'll just end quickly on my team. I had a red arrow of 900 places. That's hard to do in FPL, ladies and gentlemen. And that is hard to do. I went with uh, a triple move this week. I brought in Holland, KDB, and McAtee for Sala, Bowen, and Alvarez. So those transfers you know, set me up for double game week 25, and I just went with the Uber attack from City just to hopefully have a differential and gain some ground. But I am firmly in the top 700 50k or so. So it's been a rough, a rough season for your boy over here, but hopefully I will have some green arrows ahead and just trying to not have my worst finish ever in FPL, but it's been, it's been a grind. It's been tough for me, but uh, having a player like Gabrielle in my starting 11 this week, that hurt a lot. You hate to see the potential FPL assists not be awarded and then the own goal go against him. So that was a full gambit of emotions there. Um, and especially, you know, when we look at FPL assists, uh, I just wish they'd give them all to us. You know, I want more points, not, not less points. So the OG was tough, but I just want to quickly shout out a few of my buddies. We all met up, uh, had four of us who are all in the same mini league. We met up and watched the Arsenal and Liverpool match. And I think that would be a, a good transition here, boys. Let's, let's talk about what we saw from Arsenal at home. They hand yet another loss to Liverpool in front of the London crowd so did you guys enjoy that one or was it actually pretty poor match overall considering the Liverpool
2: expectations I always go into these games nowadays actually thinking they're not going to be as entertaining as maybe they should be on paper because I think like in that situation both teams didn't necessarily there was too much on the line to lose that game but I thought Arsenal managed the game pretty well I thought they did deserve the three points Liverpool have been phenomenal over the past few weeks as us Chelsea fans know how good they have been over the past few weeks we've been on the wrong end of a hiding from them recently (laughs) but uh, Arsenal looked Arsenal did look good I think as much as I've slated Kai Havertz as a Chelsea fan I thought he was very good midweek although his finishing's not there right that's not necessarily why Arsenal bought him and it's not the strongest part of his game he was pretty strong and Saka getting the early goal Then the Gabriel own goal, which would have been a penalty, I don't think, if it didn't end up in the back of the net because it was an own goal off his his hand. And then the second half, there were a few Liverpool changes. But I think what highlighted for me, and we'll talk about it with the double, is how much Liverpool missed Darwin. He obviously picked up a knock, it feels like midweek, and obviously didn't feel like he was fully fit to start the game. And Gakpo's okay for a squad member for Liverpool, but for me, he's no... He's no Darwin. And of course, they miss Salah as well for a game like that. They wouldn't want Salah out for, for a big game like that. But Darwin as well, to miss the both of them, you just looked at that Liverpool front three was just lacking quite a lot of firepower. And it, it showed in a game like that, I think.
0: Yeah, not to mention Martinelli just blew up TAA for the whole mm. first 60 minutes on the left side. And that was something that time and time again, you just saw Martinelli streaking down the left flank and putting pressure on the defense. And the, I thought the press was really well organized from Arteta in front of the home crowd caused a few mistakes and those started to mount. So, I mean, I, I thought that Liverpool got thoroughly outplayed and I was not expecting that uh, to be honest, but it also just, again, ramps up the race for the title. And it's a great for, I think, obviously city or very helpful, and hoping for that result and now we're going to have a really great run in here with about 16 15 or 16 game weeks left so very exciting times across the prem
1: earlier on brian when you were talking about the Gabrielle assist harry and i kind of winced so harry i'm curious was that an assist or was it not so when i
2: watched it i was certain that it was going to be an assist i had benched him and i was like oh well own goal like he's got an assist that'll be two points like that's still fine i don't mind benching that and then There was a bit of the rules shared around, which said if there is an unforced defensive error that leads to the player scoring, then it doesn't go down as an assist, which I think is what they've used to decide Mm. that there's no Gabriel assist, that the pair of them have not really been forced to make an error. Yes, there has been an attacker there, but they've kind of just got in each other's way. Neither of them decided to play the ball and then Martinelli scored. I still think it's pretty harsh. I'm kind of in the vein with a lot of these things that everyone wants more points in FPL, right? If there's ever like a 50-50 call, I mean, I can say that happily because Gabrielle was on my bench and I didn't need the points, right? But we all want points like in these 50-50 decisions, like just give them that. That's where I'm like. But yeah, I I was quite pleased to not see it go down as an (laughs) assist, but
0: I was surprised. As a starter in my team, I was hoping for the Darwin experience of last week where just absolute chaos, you know, picks up a yellow card, misses a penalty, then then gets a late assist and ends up on two points. That's what I was hoping for Gabrielle in this one where he was on minus one. I'm like, oh, at least he could end up in the positives because looking at that negative one is is so harsh, considering that I thought the rest of the match he played pretty well. And that's just the uh, the detriment of the own goal is, is tough in your side. But I think uh, one thing I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about Harry is you know, how are we viewing Trent ahead of this double game week? He's a player that I held through his injury and he's racked up back to back one pointers in cameo points and didn't get to 60 minutes. So I think we've heard from Klopp that he is just not fully fit to play 90 minutes, but at the same time, I need that. M. Effort to get to 60 minutes in the double game week and lock in the clean sheet. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, what's your take? Would you buy him if you didn't have him, or would you completely swerve him, or would you sell him even?
2: Yeah, I've got him and I'm, I'd say I'm pretty worried about the double now. I, it's not a sell, right? I, I think most of us who've got him, like selling him now, unless you need the money for like a De Bruyne and you really, really want De Bruyne, then maybe, but I've got him and I won't sell him until game week 26. But I, the thing is, the Canate red card at the weekend means Joe Gomez might end up having to play centre back. It just means there's less options, so the chance of him starting Burnley at the weekend, I feel like, went up. And then if he starts Burnley, let's say he gets one in the double, like that's fine. I don't. I of course would want him to start all three, but if he got two out of the three, it's definitely not worth selling him now. Of course. Connor Bradley missed out because of the very unfortunate passing of his father before the game. We don't know how long Liverpool of course will give him um, to grieve about that and to be with his family. So we don't know the impact that will have, but even that aside, Trent was bad at the weekend. Like he was taken off after 57 minutes and he might say, well, he would not fully fit. He was not good. Like he had a bad game, like Martinelli tore him apart and they took him off To play joe gomez who was already on a yellow card at right back instead of him when they were still chasing a game which i think doesn't say very much good about him so i definitely wouldn't buy him and i would only sell him if you kind of need the money i'll just hold him for two weeks and then we'll see where we get from yeah that makes a lot of sense i think that's
0: where i am at the moment as well when you're looking at expected minutes for the double i think we just all need to temper our expectations a little bit these are teams that are very deep in liverpool and city so if you can get 120 minutes out of your starters that would be fantastic obviously anything above that will be great in the double but i mean i just don't want to be in a position where trent is playing 55 minutes in two matches and you have two points across the double that <laughs> will be very painful as a lot of teams uh, still have him, except for you know, dan's I'm... right
1: yeah i'm someone that sold trent's a couple of weeks ago um my plan was always to bring him back for game week 25, but now I'm really not so sure. I think if you're going to bring in a Liverpool defender, you're probably going to want Virgil van Dijk, who's probably the only defender in the entire backline who you can guarantee will get 290 minutes. Um, but even him, I'm not that excited about. So Yeah, because he's
0: busy boxing out Allison and uh, letting uh, <laughs> goals go in on the weekend. Classic box out if you're a, a hoops player.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but I'm also tempted to just, just go without a Liverpool defender, and just hope I get lucky with them conceding.
0: I mean, I don't see anything wrong there. I think it's the same thing with City. Like, City, they always go down 1-0, especially away from the Etihad, and they win 3-1, 4-1, but they are definitely not uh, very clean at the back, so I wouldn't be in a rush to to bring in a Liverpool defender, especially since they're going to blank in 26. You could take a punt on a City defender when you know that they're going to also hopefully play minutes, uh, but it, that's a rotation in itself as well. But um, I think that's a good place to transition and just talk about that game, which is fresh in our minds. A lot of assets on the pitch for City delivered points, except for Alvarez, so he had a few shots. But curious to see how would you would rank the assets from City heading into the double game with Carry.
2: Yeah, so I thought tonight was interesting because I don't think any of us really saw him starting everyone like he did. Now, it's actually what he did in game week one. He played basically the same lineup that he played in game week one before De Bruyne got injured, and he's just gone straight back to it. And I don't know. I watched the game, and I tweeted about it, and I said, I think there's too many of them trying to do the same thing in this City team. Yes, they created so many chances, but if you took like Alvarez out of that lineup and put Doku or Grealish in there instead on the wing, would they have created any less chances than they did in that game? I'm not sure. So... I don't necessarily think that that is City's best lineup. I thought Alvarez looked a little bit lost in that game to be honest. I don't think he was nearly as influential. Now Foden got the couple of got got the got the goals so it makes him look more influential, but I don't think Alvarez necessarily added anything more on that. So I was a little bit off put on Alvarez and I was surprised by De Bruyne and Haaland both playing as much as they did. The whole thing this week was we expect them both to start but they'll get 60 or 70. And they were winning at 70 minutes. I think they were 3-1 up or at least 2-1 up at that time. And they both played almost the full game. I think De Bruyne got 80 and Haaland got 88. So both of them feel like they are fully back and fully match fit. I feel like I've got the De Bruyne minutes a little bit wrong and he's more nailed than I thought. But then they play Champions League and stuff and then they play midweek weekend. So Haaland and Foden are still the top two for me. And then the third one is kind of up to you. If you can afford De Bruyne, I hate watching City at the moment without De Bruyne. How many corners did they get tonight? <laughs> I Honestly, I feel like he spent the whole game taking corners and I spent the whole game watching the game through my fingers, not wanting someone to head it in. So it's funny. City-
0: it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Bucks was talking a lot of trash to me during the match. And he was saying that KDB looks off it. He looks off it. I'm like, look, the volume is there. He's put in nine ten crosses in the first half eventually it just takes one stroke of his magic foot and all of a sudden you're in mm. hopefully bonus points and and a couple more but he he looked a little bit off today um on some of those where we expect better delivery but um i mean he takes everything so the, the amount of shots plus the corners it, mm. it's just a player that is is a differential i think and so i'm hoping that he can deliver big and get uh you know 15 plus points in the double for me
2: yeah, he played, this is the thing, if if they do go with the Foden, Alvarez, you know, the whole lot, then De Bois is a little bit deeper. Like his goal threat today was definitely lower than it was midweek. And whether that's just because it was Brentford the way they played or whether it's what we're going to see, then I don't know. I I do really want De Bois in my team for the double. Um, And I'm much more focused on him than I am on some of those Liverpool attackers because of game with 26 as well. So yeah, I, I don't really have a route to him. Um, but I feel like I want to find one.
1: I'm in the same boat, exactly. I don't have De Bruyne, and he's he's probably my number one target for Game Week 25, purely because, like you said, it's horrible watching City without owning him. Mm. The guy looks like he's going to get an assist every five seconds, and you say he didn't look like a goal threat, but, you know, that last two minutes, he had that shot that went a little bit wide. If that goes in, he gets all three bonus points. He gets, like, Mm. 15 points. So the way he is, one single return usually... And he's going to get the bonus points as well. And his ownership is going up and up and up and up. I think he's my number one target, but I also do not have a decent route to him.
2: A bit of a tangent. I I wanted to ask you, because the first kickoff next week, right, is Man City, which we might get team news on that Saturday morning. How do you find playing FPL being in America? Because of course, like that City team news for us in the UK is such a big part of when I will make my transfers and what decisions I'll make for next weekend do you have alarms set for 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. like if i if i ever go away like on holiday with my family to anywhere that's a different time zone like my alarm will get set like it just will i will just set my alarm 15 minutes before the deadline and i would get it is, is that yeah. what happens yeah, that's, not, that's what
0: coffee is for you know you can exactly. have coffee later <laughs> in the day and that'll help boost you your lack of sleep
1: i am not afraid to admit that harry i have tuned into your deadline stream at like 2 a.m in the morning after setting my alarm just to check for late news it's it's rough it's really rough um yeah you have to debate shall i stay up until 2am or shall i go to bed at like 10pm and set my alarm four hours later and then wake up and watch the games at 4am as well it's it's rough i mean i think mm-hmm. that was
0: one of the things that honked me off this week like a goose is the fact that they announced the double on saturday while yeah. i was sleeping so in addition to the richarlison brace i woke up and then found out that double happened and It was just a bit annoyed because I obviously had the options of looking at Foden or excuse me, looking at Holland plus Jota into my side with my free two free transfers instead. But since there was no announcement on Friday, made my transfers at about midnight and went to bed on Friday night. And so it's a bit of a annoying happenstance to have it break down that way. But usually I would say, you know, the diehards in the U.S. on the West Coast, if you're having a good season, you'll set your alarm and
2: wake up in the uh, middle of the night. So Saturday, you've already set them, I imagine, with Man City being the early kickoff. That's right. <laughs> it, it's it's one of those things, like,
0: I have three of their assets, though, so I know that mm. they're going to, you know, you're hoping that they play three out of four matches or four out of five, et cetera. So, you know, I'm kind of set on uh, just rolling out my lads and I need to use those free transfers probably to target somebody like Johto or uh, another asset for the double, but it's a, it's a tough times with Pep Roulette and trying to nail those starters, Uh, Here, especially on the West Coast. All right, let's jump to a gloating session here and let's highlight Chelsea versus Wolves. This was a match where I was very hopeful for the likes of Cole Palmer to put in more returns for FPL sides and he delivered on that. But the rest of the Chelsea team was utter trash. Put them in the bin, as they say. So, Dan, this is your moment. You have a couple of Chelsea supporters on the line. As much as we'd like to just mute you from this section, we're going to give you a couple minutes to talk about your dismemberment of the Chelsea side. Congrats to your little pups.
1: Yeah, I think I wrote on Twitter, I wish we could play Chelsea every single week because we seem to beat you guys comfortably twice this season now. Um, But yeah, in all seriousness, I feel like I repeat myself every week on this podcast that Wolves are very, very underrated right now. We're a much better team under Gary O'Neill than we have been for the past couple of seasons, especially in attack. We just look so fluid, we look so attacking, look like we can score on every attack. We have Cunha and Neto and we have Huang coming back. So I'm loving being a Wolves fan right now. Um, And honestly, I wish I could fit one of their assets in my team. We, We have that issue where we have Haaland, we have Solanke, we have Watkins, we have Darwin. So no one's really looking at the likes of Mateus Cunha, who's just ticking along every single week, getting returns. Um and Pedro Neto too. I'm looking to bring him into my team, especially because in Game Week 26, they're playing Sheffield United at home. Ooh. So jump on wolves. I I think there's this there's still a misconception that we're not a good team and we're sitting comfortably in 10th right now. I
0: mean, I think for you you should be on the naughty list for not having any Wolves assets in, your, in your team. I, I mean, they, especially you're singing their praises and they're playing quite well. And this is a team where we're expecting, you know, zero or one goals a week, but that's, that's a thing of the past for Wolverhampton. So got to give you some credit on the pitch, but your FPL side, it's going to feel so good when you have uh, a Wolves asset later in the season and they're delivering not only three points in the table, but also multiple returns in your FPL team.
1: I feel like every single reply I get to any of my tweets is, why don't you have a Wolves player in your team? Why don't you have a Wolves player in your there, team? There's a, there's, <laughs> a, there's, a, there's
0: a traitor among us is what, what's happening here. That's, it that's what it is, Dan. That's what it is. <laughs> it is.
1: But I was happy Carl Palmer got a return at least, um, after we'd scored the four goals, of course, not originally, but, you know, that's all I would say. I'm not going to gloat too much more. I'll be respectful. You can just look at my grinning face.
0: I know. No, this is probably a good time to take a screenshot of your smiling face and uh Harry and I just biting our nails under the stressful season that Chelsea's had. So Harry, obviously Palmer, still a great option, but curious on your plans of with them having a blank in twenty six, they're playing City in this upcoming run as well. So what are your plans for the only assets owned from Chelsea?
2: Yeah, so I think a lot comes down to the cup replay midweek because if we get knocked out of the cup, which I think seems quite logical at the moment going away to Villa Park, um, the form we're in versus the form Aston Villa are in, you'd have to expect us probably not to win that game. So if we do have a fixture in game week 29, then you, I, I feel like I'm just going to hold on to him. He's not a bad asset at all. He'll probably get benched away at City because it's the double anyway. So I'm going to have enough other players that I'd want to play that week um, but if we get if we get through and we we win that fixture away at Aston Villa, then Man City away, followed by a blank, then Brentford away, Newcastle, and then another blank. So we play three times in five game weeks, with one of them being City away. He, he might well go for me next week if we lose in the Cup. Um, he'll stay for Palace because one team that does look worse than we do in the league at the moment, that is Crystal Palace. And we can, unfortunately, I've... I've got Eze sat on my bench as well I brought him in last week for his big return but uh yeah now he's sat injured on my bench but I'll keep him for that definitely and then what I do with him going forward will depend what happens in the cup I think but I I never thought I'd sell him because he's such good value but the fixtures are just not there and the blanks would just I'd prefer to hold like my Spurs players through or something like that for the blank whereas Palmer is more expendable if he doesn't play in 29. Yeah, I think if you have
0: him as your eighth attacker, you can probably get away with it. But for teams that have both Palmer and Richie, you know, in your side, I think it's going to make things tough when you're also adding the stack of Liverpool players to that pile that are going to blank in 26. So obviously team specific, but something to watch for sure. I think given that City give up kind of a goal each game, I'm not as fussed about playing him that week if I have Mm -hmm. to. But uh, yeah, I think the rest of the team is just, not cohesive at all i think uh we were hoping for some of our young players to actually grow on the pitch and have some rapport together but it just seems like a i don't know just a carousel of players coming in and out of form and there's a few highlights here and there but just as a team there hasn't been enough growth under poch so we will see what uh what happens there but once again hats off to dan for his wolverhampton w all right, the last game I want to quickly touch on is the likes of Villa, absolutely rocking Chef U 5-0. And Ollie Watkins has been on the tip of many managers' tongues after he had a big string of blanks. And now he's returned a goal and then had this massive 18-point haul. So those who were thinking about possibly moving him on for somebody like Tony or somebody like Darwin for the double – you know, where do you guys stand on that are you going to hold ollie or is he a player that you are going to ship out and um, again probably depends on what's going to happen in game week 29 if they're going to feature or not but curious to hear what you guys are planning with one ollie junkyard dog watkins
1: i mean the thing about fpr right now is you're going to always be selling a good asset to bring in a good asset to get more fixtures so i think if you're someone who needs watkins's funds if you want to bring in the likes of de bruyne You know, it's okay to do, as long as you understand the risks that he can come up with an 18-pointer at at any point in time. Um, Especially considering Bournemouth could still potentially get that double game week coming up soon. So, removing Solanke doesn't look as easy as it did before either. Although, of course, you can bring him back in. I think if you want to sell Watkins, my point is, it's fine to do. I'm personally not going to do it right now. I think I'm going to have one more week of information so I can get two free transfers in game week 25 but I see no reason why selling Watkins to bring in someone like Darwin for game week 25, as well as the Burnley at home fixture. is not a bad thing to do. What do you think, Harry?
2: Yeah, I just look at them 26, like 25 away at Fulham, 26 mm-hmm. at home to Forest, 27 away at Luton. Like Luton are a good side, but generally you'd say you'd want to keep Watkins for those. But then how, how much of that result at the weekend is just because Sheffield United were absolutely all over the place. Like if you watch that game, the amount of space they gave him behind for Oof. Watkins and Bailey to run into it were after they scored the first one, you could just see it happening. You could just see, well, this is going to end three or four nil and they just kept passing in behind. So I think Sheffield United, have got a lot to answer to for that, for that Watkins hall. Um, I have the Solanke Watkins issue um, at the moment and I I probably will sell Solanke first, even if they get that double later on, I might buy him back, but they look weaker. I would say Bournemouth over the past few weeks that it feels safer to sell him than it does to sell Watkins, where I just know that he can turn up with this sort of return at any given moment. And United at home this weekend, it's not even, it's not even that bad. I do not think, yes, they've been pretty good recently United, but you'd still favour Watkins to probably get something in that game so yeah before this game I was teetering on potentially selling him but funny how quickly things change I'll probably hold on to him now
1: the difference of course is the 1.6 million that you get from selling Watkins over Solanke that's the problem um I'm assuming someone like you who is keeping Trent you're gonna have Mm. to get funds somewhere so I'm curious how you're gonna make that work
2: yeah. Well, at the moment it's a no Kevin De Bruyne is how I'm going to make that work. <laughs> so uh whether, when you frame it like who's more important, Watkins or De Bruyne, well then maybe that makes a little bit of a different answer. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, at the I moment, think... I, I, I'm not going to take the money. I'm just going to not go De Bruyne, I think. Yeah.
0: I mean, given that KDB usually doesn't score that many goals, hopefully, you know, you'll get away with it and he'll have uh, mm. maybe a five pointer and a, eight-pointer max, you know, just under 15 points, but if he gets one of those games where it's a goal and assist, and then it gets another return in the other game in the double, that's gonna hurt quite a bit, but uh, that's what I'm hoping for as as a differential owner, for sure, and on the Solanke part, like, man, what a disappointing result for Bournemouth in this one. In the reverse fixture away from home, that's when Solanke got his absolute haul, 17-pointer. And he had zero shots, I believe, in this match versus NFO. So that was definitely a, a weak spot in a lot of managers' teams, given the proficiency, which we saw all the other attackers deliver points this game week.
1: Yeah, and I just want to add, by the way, the last time I went without Kevin De Bruyne was... A couple of seasons ago when he got oh, those oh yes against wolves. yes <laughs> so, i'm not gonna make that mistake again i don't care <laughs> if he blanks i'm not gonna do that again
0: <laughs> uh that was one of my favorite fpl moments for sure because i think a lot of managers were on the fence and bringing him in and get that 24 pointer versus wolves and like what like a hat trick in the first half that was incredible from from kdb on like four shots uh oh, what what a what a time to be alive so hopefully we'll see something like that and his minutes again surprised me i was surprised that he played almost the full did he play the full 90 today like i I thought he could have been in line for 70 and i still went with the differential cap on him this week and to play 85 plus minutes is a good sign for them coming up. And I know Harry, you mentioned City and Champions League. It's like they're playing Copenhagen. Like that's that's a team where you're going to get Oscar Bob and his younger brother coming onto the pitch for for City.
2: It's true, although the first leg is the one that Pep will want to he'll want to put it to bed before the second leg. The second leg, if they're three or four-nil up, I completely get it. But I don't, I'm not sure we'll see that. In the first leg, which comes between game week 24 and 25. So they play yeah, Ever- Everton, then Champions League, then 25 at the weekend, then 25 midweek, then 26. And if I do think he starts the Champions League, that is a lot of games for him to play. But I've been wrong recently. I didn't think he'd start both of these two. The spacing between them, Wednesday to Monday, is pretty good, though. So maybe we should have seen it coming. And then it's Saturday, so you would probably expect him to play Everton. But I do have a little bit of doubt when the double comes around still.
0: Yeah, I would expect him to get more 60, 65-minute runouts versus playing you know, full match. So something to monitor for sure as he builds up his match strength. But love having another kind of premium in the mix especially with Salah and Sun not on the menu right now. It just adds a little bit more variety to the game for those looking to go for a differential. All right, let's take our first break here, and we're going to come back and preview Game Week 24 with some of the FPL matches to target. We'll be right back.
1: And we are back. So let's talk about game week 24. Brian, Everton at Man City is the first fixture of the game week, the early fixture. As Harry said earlier, we might be getting some early team news and we're going to be fast asleep for that. So as (laughs) someone who owns triple City, what are your thoughts about that game?
0: Well, if I'm going to go for captaincy from City, then I might be setting my alarm now that I think about it a little bit more (laughs) because if for some reason Holland was not going to start and uh you know i'm i was a bit surprised today that he missed his big chance i thought that was one uh, where if he was a little less rusty he would have finished but i'm still betting him to score every single match that he plays in especially with the rest of this city team fit so curious how you guys see it do you think holland is you know just rusty and it's going to take him a few or is he just going to snap back and probably have a brace in one of these upcoming matches
2: We've seen him miss chances like that this season. Like it has happened. Um, and it's just because he's come back from injuries. I think it's an easy way to just write it off that he's been rusty and these things happen. Uh, I, it doesn't worry me at all. Um, I still think he's a, the probably the best goal scorer in the league in terms of FPL. So I have no issues. And whenever he's fit with the upcoming fixtures, like he'll be my captain. So as long as he starts, I have no issues with him. He can miss the odd chance. I still think he's a... A good asset and when he assists foden like he did today well that's even better Then <laughs>
0: i think it helps that city are hosting the toffees in this one i think away that would have been a little bit maybe like oh maybe i'll look at a few other captaincy shouts but given that uh again we've seen everton hold a few clean sheets i think they're probably still number one in the premier league this season for for cleans but away from home I think uh, a captaining a city player is still going to be very popular this week, so I would expect. Wow, maybe even a clean sheet for City. This could be a three-zero affair. I would, I would love to see that coming up here. Do you guys have any score predictions for that one?
1: I I, I see Everton scoring. I just don't see Man City ever keeping a clean sheet. Yeah. So I'm going to so go for the 4-1. classic.
0: The classic, yeah, three or four-one is. I should be putting some. Uh, some wagers on on those those score lines, exact match score lines, because that seems like it's happening nonstop this season. Um, all right, let's transition Burnley at Liverpool. So this is a big one. I think a lot of managers are squaring up their team and just trying to figure out do I bring in Jota? I think that's a question we have later on in the community questions section as well. So given that they really need to have a, a positive result here after losing versus Arsenal i mean could could they really just throw down in this match and score four four goals at home
2: yeah i mean they definitely could i think a lot of us targeting liverpool and i look at my team with no liverpool attackers thinking this could go horribly wrong like it did when they played bournemouth the other week so yeah i i am fully expecting a three or four nil particularly after they lose i'm always like well they're going to want to bounce back after that result last weekend and i think burnley watching them defend over the past couple of games. um, I think that Liverpool attack will be too much for them. And it may even be the first glimpse we get back of Mo Salah, of course. We're expecting him back probably for game week 25, but it's not impossible. We see him on the bench. Darwin should, of course, be back fully fit as well. So I feel for Burnley in this one, I think it'll be four, probably, minimum. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to
0: see what minutes Trent gets, what minutes Rabo might come into the fold here coming, coming up soon. So um, yeah, it'll it'll be all eyes on that match. And if you have Jota, definitely I would say captaincy shout potentially this week at home. Um, somebody else that would be on the, on the short list. And then for Darwin, is he over his knock? Will he start? I think uh, that one is another, another one where we're going to be watching that very closely in terms of preparing for game week 25 as well elsewhere wow Sheffield at Luton the lutonians putting up eight goals in the last couple matches Morris is banging them in out of bio wow it's been uh quite the resurgence here for the lutonians and they find themselves out of the drop zone for one of the first times this season what do we think is going to happen in this one I I expect a couple goals and uh you know if you have any of their assets sure go for it right
1: I mean, the asset I'm really like is Ross Barkley, but for some reason he's just not a sexy pick. I'm I'm never gonna put him in my team, but he's, I think he's someone who's gonna do really well over these next few weeks, especially when they if they get their second double as well. Um, what do you think about him, Harry?
2: As a Chelsea player, yeah. I mean, he's definitely the the underlying talent is there, right? I think when he came to yeah. Chelsea, we we saw moments of of the talent. Um, it didn't quite. Come to fruition at Chelsea, but he's showing it again there. The one I really look at is are their forwards? Adarabayo and Carlton Morris, both actually playing together now up front, are both very, very cheap. And I've got a front eight, which is causing me a headache every week, although I've got a couple of injuries now. But I do wonder about him as a potential option to help a bit like a Garnacho does to help with a sort of easier benching a couple of the others. Sheffield United this week, then it is the double. But like United at home, Liverpool away, they're scoring goals wherever they go at the moment. They've scored, I think, 10 games in a row now, which is as many as, wow. I think they're in the top. It's one of the longest rec- longest runs of any team in the league at the moment. So I think they have to be up there. And the other one is probably Alfie Doughty defensively. I'm sure we've spoken about him before, but he's cheap. He takes a lot of set pieces. He's got great threat going forward. Of course, the issue is the blank in, in game with 26 for them. And are they more important than a Liverpool player or a City player, then then maybe not, but they're very cheap. And when you're looking to get Haaland, De Bruyne, Foden, Saka, a 4.9 Adribaio or a 4.5 Alfie Doughty could be a much easier way to get it than trying to find another cheap alternative.
0: When it comes to the Bournemouth and Luton match being rescheduled, when Mm. that may happen, I will definitely be looking to bring in a Luton player for that game week. But before then, I think it's just tough again with the priority being the other top caliber teams uh, in front of them with the assets that they have. But if anybody's playing at a bio, congrats, you know, 4.8, 4.9 million. He's really been quite something. He's got the aerial threat that I like. And then Morris is on pens. So these are, these are players that I think later in the season, because right now a lot of people are in a three, four, three, right? So you want to have a little bit higher, caliber of player like a Solanke who's sub 7 million as your third player but later on I could definitely see a lot of people going with that cheap striker in a 3-5-2 and then maybe you rotate him in or out depending on the fixtures and the hopeful double game weeks later in the season as well
2: yeah completely and the other thing to add is I hate using the if buts and maybes but They have Nottingham Forest in game week 29 and Nottingham Forest have an FA Cup replay this week. So if Nottingham Forest were to go out this midweek and suddenly we're looking at Luton with a double, you know, Sheffield United this week, they double in 25. Yes, they blank in 26, a potential double in game week 28, which is where people are, you know, mentioning that that Bournemouth fixture would go. We know they're guaranteed to play in game week 29. Then or, or not guaranteed, Luton would have to lose to City in the cup to to, to be guaranteed to play in game twenty nine. But suddenly that makes them a little bit more appealing because you just add an extra reason that you'd be buying into them. So if you know Forest have got Blackpool, it's unlikely that Forest lose, but it's not impossible. Then I think they become even more appealing going into the shaft United at home. Yeah, good shout. This week.
0: Yeah, good shout. All right, last match. Just want to highlight here. We have um, actually a couple more matches. Brighton at Tottenham. Richarlison going to score again is is this just going to keep happening and just cause us more and more pain for those non-owners you kind of have to fancy it right with Maddo chipping in in the attack and he's he's a player also on the longer watch list not a priority right now we have to just
1: expect it now he's gonna gonna score he's gonna get double digits let's just face it right now yeah you're hoping you're
0: hoping for a seven pointer and no bonus I think that's that would be the best case scenario but he's had a he's had a bunch of matches where he's even you know just eight points like getting the clean sheet point or getting the getting the bonus point and man those those out of position players and it's something that was just something i overlooked and was afraid of the blank so i just didn't go there and man it just it's haunting me every flipping week Ugh, the pain uh, when, And what happened when game-
1: what happened to his yellow cards as well? He used to get yellow cards every yeah. single week and now he doesn't even get yellow cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going
0: that's, on? I mean, oh. he's scoring goals, so he's not moping around. Usually when he's moping around, then he'll go and try and make a rash challenge for no reason or dissent or something like that. So, yeah, everything is turning up for Charleston right now and not turning up for us here.
2: We'll have the last laugh. When game week 26 comes around and everyone's got one extra blanker than us, we'll we'll be the ones laughing.
0: Yeah, and then I'm, I'm getting a player scores two more points than Richarlison. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's bound to Ch- happen.
2: <laughs> I'm playing Charlie Taylor, who's yeah. last on my bench at the moment.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, shit. Uh, that's how it works out. Okay, there. We should see some goals uh as well there. So lastly, best IRL matches, Arsenal at West Ham and Manchester United at Villa. I'm particularly interested in the... Manchester United and Villa match here. I think that we've seen some good form from United recently with Hoyland. Hoyland of all people rounding into form and showing off his talents. He's got 36 points in the last four games that he's played and four four goals in four. So just curious, obviously, we don't have any huge Manchester United fans here on the pod, but I think Hoyland and Garnacho. Those are some good building players for their side to keep getting experience and hopefully round into form in the next couple of seasons. So what are your thoughts
2: here? Was, is, is Hoyland ever going to be on the menu for FPL managers? I mean, right now, no, because like Darwin and Tony are probably more high priority. And if you don't own Haaland, then, then he's up there as well, but he is finding some form and Man United are finding a way to create chances for him much more than they did at the start of the season. So, because of the other forwards, I don't think anyone's particularly looking at him. Um, so, like, I would move to Darwin and Tony before I would go to him. But, again, if if we got a fixture confirmed in game week 29 for them, then suddenly we'd all go there because he has Sheffield United at home that week, right? So, I like him, but I don't have a route to him right now, I don't think.
0: And then other places, I mean... Manchester United kept a clean sheet this weekend, but you would expect Villa to create some chances with the likes of Watkins being involved there. So Watkins is a firm hold, I think, as discussed earlier. And you're hoping that he chips in with a goal and some bonus points in this one, right?
2: Yeah, the, the only one, sorry, just back on United that I, I wonder about is we all owned, well, a lot of us owned Harry Maguire early on in the season. And now Lissandro Martinez is rumored to be out for a, Two months or so, which was suddenly put Harry Maguire. I think he's back down to about 4.2 million now. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, right. Yeah, 4.2. I know Villa away this week is probably not the week, but then Luton away, Forest Fulham at home in the blank in 26. If you need a cheap defender, could be worth looking at. But as you say, you'd expect Watkins, Douglas Ruiz to to get on the score sheet in this game. So it's probably not one for this week because you'd expect Villa to score.
0: Yeah, and this is top insight from at. FPL underscore Harry Maguire here just bringing out the the, the <laughs> likeness for his fellow Harry. So hopefully he'll uh, be on the menu because those cheap defenders, it's, you know, I had Lascelles for a while earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. He's still fifth on my bench, but you like to have a, a really cheap guy that could possibly fill some holes when you have injuries to get you through some of the fixture congestion. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on. All right, let's take our next break and then we're going to come back with community questions. We'll be right back.
1: And we are back with FPL community questions. And we're starting off with friend of the pod at Hella underscore FPL. He is asking, is there merit to leaving Haaland alone and spreading the money throughout the squad? Uh, I think that's going to be very, very brave to go without Haaland, especially with double game week 25 looming. I think you probably both agree with that statement, huh?
0: I mean, many managers took a hit like myself to bring him in this week and didn't really pay off big. But yeah, I think going into the double game week 25 without him would be quite difficult. It'd be different if Mo was fully healthy and you were just choosing one or the other, knowing that triple captain 25 is going to be a very popular chip to be played so i'm kind of curious you know where's your confidence in holland right now missed the big chance he had but if that goes in and then he has an assist that's a big 12 point performance most likely from him and 24 points for captainers. so i i just would not want to go into a double without him so i i would still be prioritizing him in and uh yeah just curious harry your thoughts on you know will you be triple captaining him in double gaming 25
2: yeah, I mean, I probably will. Um, and that's part of the reason that I wouldn't want to go without him completely, because that ownership going into that double is going to be 200% plus. A lot of people, because of the uncertainty on Liverpool, will look to play their triple captain on, on Haaland. Chelsea at home, Brentford at home. It's not the easiest double, but it's definitely not the worst double either. So, yeah, the thought of, you know, if you, if you want to go for a differential captain, that's one thing, but to to look at Haaland with two home fixtures in a double and not own him at all would scare me to the point of not sleeping probably. So yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it.
0: Yeah, that's just a lot of added stress in your life that you probably don't need. So I, w- I would be prioritizing making those moves to bring him in. And, you know, if you look at that Chelsea team, they're going to give up three goals a city. I don't see us stopping this, yep. this uh, team from... Manchester City so I think it's a pretty good double honestly I think because Chelsea likes to play relatively attacking there's going to be counter opportunities and we just saw Wolves you know like a hot knife through butter slicing through our back line and their striker got a freaking hat trick so uh yeah I think he's a prime candidate for triple captain 25 with with Salah out so gotta do it gotta do it okay next question is from at Mario Bahada he's asking what are we going to do with Gordon especially because he was counting on him to play in blank game week 26. So this is one where actually our counterpart here Bucks he had Eze last week and then he moved Eze to Gordon this week. So he is just getting a couple of points, got the haul from Eze and now it has to deal with another transfer in his midfield. So curious what you guys would do who are some of the prime candidates for Eze and Gordon replacements which is also a question from at FPL Paz as well.
2: I have both of them Ah, (laughs) I'm staring at uh, not just moving Eze to Gordon I bought Eze last week and benched him this week and now I have Gordon so I have two midfielders who are flagged and I don't know when they're going to be back so I am very much in the market for midfield uh, replacements this week. I am pretty certain it will be a double game week player. It will be either Jota or it will probably be trying to find money to go and get Haaland in. Uh, sorry, Harland to go and get De Bruyne in. Um, outside of that, I, I don't think there's loads to go. and. You could take a punt on Ross Barkley, but of course he blanks. There aren't loads of midfielders that I like outside of those. I don't know if you guys are thinking of any others, but I worry Edelette. a little bit about... Pedro Neto go towards. Yeah, it's not the word it's not a bad shout at all, to be honest. Maybe it's just the lack of double that, you know, when everyone's gonna be putting out four or five doublers and I've got Pedro Neto on my team, then I'm not gonna feel quite <laughs> as confident. Yeah.
0: Well, for 26, especially, I think that's even on the cards for yeah. moving somebody like Palmer to Pedro Neto when they have Sheffield United at home in, in 26 and Palmer's gonna blank, but yeah, I think just the overall planning, you know, you got to plan for the next three game weeks here, I would kind of look at your team, look at your team setup, use different tools like FPL.team to just project out what your lineup's going to look like, not only in the double, but in the blank, because that's what the focus has to be. And then obviously, in the back of your mind, have a view to see what blank game week 29 is looking like as well so it's it's important we only have a few transfers before game week 29 and they're going to be crucial to add up and hopefully these injuries don't keep coming but trying to think any other shouts you know do you go for somebody rogue like a like a Rodri who's going to play a ton of minutes in the double game week and he's been known to have a bullet header or a, a rocket from outside the box you know is is that something if you can get to kdb you'd be interested in uh, just I mean, thinking of thinking of some other fringe guys that are that are in that kind of price range.
1: In, in my mind, across that midfield, you're probably gonna have three double game week players, right? You I don't see you getting more than one Liverpool asset really in midfield. I can't think of anyone other than Jota if Salah's not fit, who you would want. Uh, I don't know. And then midf- and then for Man City, Foden a lot of people are gonna have a lot of people are gonna have De Bruyne. You're not gonna triple up on City in midfield. So I think it's perfectly okay, personally, to bring in a single gameweek player if it allows you to afford double gameweek players in defence and someone like De Bruyne. So I'm not only just looking at double gameweek players here, I'm looking at players for the best teams who have the best fixtures over the next three or four weeks, which is why I highlighted someone like Pedro Onessa.
2: It definitely makes sense. Uh, like, I'm just scrolling through the list now, and I'm like, there aren't many. The only other one is potentially Douglas Luiz. Um, and I know it's not an exciting pick at all. And Pedro Neto is much more exciting, but like they scored five goals. He played half of football and got one assist and still walks away with a bonus point. Like he is just a bonus point magnet and the routes to points will be good. Like if they get knocked out of the cup midweek, for example, and he has a fixture in game week 29 and he plays all the way through, he plays Nottingham Forest at home in 26. He probably is another one that's, that's worth considering. Leon Bailey at Aston Villa as well, if we knew he was going to play every week is a very exciting footballer, but he seems to play DRB. Um, He's not been on it recently, but it was very good at the beginning of the season. Um, But I'd probably buy Doug Stouys for penalties if I was going to buy one of them. Yeah. And just the fact that Bailey picks up these little
0: knocks and it keeps him. you know, he might go off the pitch at 37 minute Mark. And uh, you don't like that risk uh, in addition to being a differential, right? Like I'd rather have the, penalties and Douglas Louise chips in with the assists from some set pieces. So that's a a decent shout. And then the only other player I would probably highlight at this time is Garnacho, you know, he's sub 5 million. He's a player that plays Luton in 25 and then Fulham in 26, I believe. So if you're going to downgrade, you know, make a double swap and to upgrade elsewhere in your side. So I think, you know, I'm looking at Solanke right now. I'm like, Oh, would I like him to be Darwin. I need to free up some funds. I could go Eze if I had him down to Garnacho and then get somebody else, uh, double game week player. So I think it's another decent shout. I never know when Garnacho's points are going to come. So I think that's the same thing. Like when he's your eighth attacker, you look at that price tag and you're like, "Eh, I'm just going to bench him. And then he explodes for 15 plus points in your first bench slide. It can be painful. All right, next question we have. Right now, from Alex Grun and Uzi FPL, they want to know about Jota. Is he the natural replacement for Gordon and Eze if you have the money? And is he an outside captaincy shout in game week twenty five? So we've seen him have some monster hauls as of late. Is this a player that we're expecting to play over one hundred twenty minutes though in the double with Sala potentially looming? So. I guess that is also a macro conversation about Darwin and where you see him slotting in. Will he play the nine or will he play on the left when Salah is healthy? So how do you see the front three from
2: Liverpool shaking out and the upside of Jota in the short term? I really like him, but it all comes down to that Salah return because for me, you kind of have to look at 24 and 25 in, in combination. So if you've got, what, Diaz, Jota, Darwin, Gakpo, Salah and you maybe even Harvey Elliott or something if they need to give someone a rest before the cup final. That's five attackers minimum if Salah is fit for those three spots. So statistically, you'd probably expect Salah to start both, which means the other four are fighting for two spots. I think Darwin is pretty nailed. I think he's more nailed than Jota is. So if Salah is anywhere near being back for 24, that will make him almost certainly back for 25 it just is such a worry for me with Jota but we've seen it before that those two pitches they've got in the double right brentford luton if jota started one of those and started burnley this weekend like that's not the end of the world he could he could get you know a goal in each and come away with a very decent return so the the salary return will, will put me off him a little bit but i don't think it's necessarily enough to put you off completely i still think he's a good pick it just if you've got enough other issues in your team with 26 then maybe it's enough to put me off, but depends how you set up. I still like him, but I probably prefer Darwin. Yeah, that's
0: something that I'm actively weighing up. I was thinking about, do I want to move Saka to somebody like mm. Jota, right? That's a possibility on my side, or would I want to move Watkins to Darwin? I would like to have a attacker from Liverpool, and these are these are tough questions that managers are are facing. The thing I do like about Jota is just the clinical nature of his game. Even if he comes on the pitch versus tired legs and gets one or two chances, you expect them to be on target. And that's something that over time can add up. And we see Liverpool, they get a lot of late goals, you know, to be honest, I see them with consistent goals past the 75th minute mark. And if he's coming off the bench in one of these next three matches, you can definitely see him trickling in uh, with some points as well. But, um, yeah, definitely somebody that's, you know, you have him, Dan. You're happy to own him. I'm curious if, if you would still go for him with the uh, pending solid news.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's similar to the Trent situation for me. If you own him, I think he's in a very easy hold. I have no reason to sell him through the double. Um, I would be a little concerned bringing him in for the reasons you guys have said. However, with the lack of alternative options elsewhere, especially in the midfield for double gaming players, And his ownership that is going to be quite high. I think it's perfectly fine to bring in Diego Jota.
0: And it's just like, what kind of manager are you? Are you going to be able to stomach owning Darwin and having him miss eight shots in a match and hitting the post multiple times? Or are you a manager that, oh, you know. Joe's only got two chances and hopefully put one of them in. It, it's, it makes for an, a nervy watch, I think, if you're going with Darwin over him. Uh, I'll be surprised to see a lot of teams with both of them in their their teams. But, I don't uh...
1: know. I, I'm, I'm quite liking the double for the double game week. If it doesn't cause you too many problems in Game week 26, I mean, I'm mean, i someone, as we know, who doesn't own Rich Allison, so I don't have the Rich Allison problem. Right. So I right. think I could probably fit in both Jota and Darwin for Game Week 25 and still get to 11 players with one free transfer in 26 very nice so I'm, I'm definitely tempted to do it
0: yeah i definitely will have i have one attacker one of those two i haven't decided yet but this burnley home fixture is very plump so i i kind of want to take the risk and bring them in this week even if i have to lose a, a good asset and just hope the upside versus burnley in a match where they again they need to get right and stay in the uh, title hunt so great questions that a lot of us will be facing Okay, looking ahead to the upcoming game weeks, at Bengal FPL was asking about the Jota and Darwin double up. We think that's a a decent route, like we said, in case you can manage. But he was also asking about Luton players. So uh, I know we touched on this again a little bit earlier as well. Would you be looking to bring in a Luton player for the double? Who would be your number one choice given the logjam in the attack?
2: I don't think I end up Will doing it myself, but I don't hate it. It would have to be replacing another blank game week player with a Luton player. So it would be like a Pedro Porro to an Alfie Doughty if I needed money. It would be, yeah, replacing a, a forward for you know Ado Abayo. If it didn't give you too many issues for 26, I, I just really think that the Sheffield United at home fixture is the week to do it. And I think it's the same with Liverpool. If you're buying, you buy this week, you buy for Burnley for Liverpool. And if you're buying Luton, you buy for Sheffield United this week. The other one is the keeper because a lot of us have two playing keepers. Ah. So you probably have a keeper that will play in, in 26 anyway. I'm sat here with Ariola and Debravka, So at the moment I don't have a keeper who's likely to play in game week 29. So not only would I bring in a keeper who has Sheffield United at home this week, I'd bring in a keeper who doubles next week. And I have a keep bringing a keeper who has a decent chance of, of playing in game week 29 as well. So I, I mean, goalkeeper transfers are not always the best, but, I wonder if it might end up falling quite well if you have a bit of an issue with your goalkeepers in some of those blanks and doubles. Yeah, I mean, if you have Areola and Turner, right now we saw Areola get injured. What
0: was the news with that? He went off at half and flappy hands came in. So what what's the update? Do you guys
2: know? I think it was a precaution, but... okay, yeah, I heard it was a precaution.
1: He's expected yeah. to be fine,
2: I think I heard. The next two for West Ham are not great. So they have, what, Arsenal this week, then Forrest away. You could replace that with, you know, Kaminsky. You could do Turner to Kaminsky when he's got Sheffield United at home and then a double and then just bring Ariola back in 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 game week 26.
0: Yeah, decent shout. I think Uh, usually we preach about not making goalkeeper transfers, but if there's logic behind it, and I think with, you know, when you look at Allison and Ederson, that can give you an extra double game week player and then you could just rotate Mm -hmm. your other keeper in for 26. So you could still somewhat easily field 11 in the blank so that that's another strategy that some people will will go with I mean obviously we've seen Ederson concede and not get any bonus so I would lean Allison over the the two but uh yeah goalkeepers Uh, there's just so many transfers you'd like to make but it's it's for me it's too early to wild card so um we had a question from Uzi as well he was asking what's the the chip strategy for harry at this point in time so just curious could you run us through that uh, top level at this point
2: it's tough at the moment um i probably would say that it's going to be a wild card in sort of get after game week 29 and then free hit game week 34 and bent boost game week 37 is is the current plan um but if all things go horribly wrong in the cup it's not impossible that i end up free hitting in in game week um Twenty nine, but I think generally that will probably be the strategy that falls. I'll just invest heavily in Spurs. Richarlison will finally come in in game week twenty seven, <laughs> and I'll I'll have him set up nicely for the for the game week twenty nine fixture. And I'm sure he'll start to blank as soon as I decide to buy him. Or Son will come back and Son will play up front, and richarlison won't be near the team. But no, that's the plan to to just keep transfers for for game week twenty
0: nine. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's what many managers are planning for, and I would. Attack 26 with if you feel 10, that's that that would be fine, right? So use your couple of your transfers, maximize the double, and then you know that's why I think again, three city players make sense just because you could hopefully have them feature in 26 as well. Maybe two assets from Liverpool, and you know, a a target of five double game weakers is pretty healthy and still being able to field a team in 26. And speaking of the last question is from at my Cayman fan friend of the show. He's asking with all the talk of Tony in the double are options like an inform Maupay a legit option to free up funds. Oh, this guy, he's, he's, (laughs) he's on the shithousery starting 11. Maupay scores a goal today. I was expecting a little bit more out of his celebration, but he scores again in this season for Brentford. So what are your thoughts there? Third attacker Maupay to save some, Cash?
1: Yeah. I mean, usually I would say I'm going nowhere near more but he's returning almost every week, isn't it? He? He's mm. playing up front with even Tony. He looks like he's getting back to the form we saw from him a few years ago, but he's such a shit stirrer. He's <laughs> like Rich Allison for me. I just don't want him in my team purely because of that face of his. I haven't
0: put his name into the <laughs> FPL uh, site in years, it seems no. like, so I got to I gotta no. pull this up. Yeah, he's got a string of Six points in each. He doesn't usually get bonus because again he's wasteful at times. But yeah. I mean the fact too busy, is too even, busy even getting Tony, La
1: cards. <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Even Tony is by far a better option than Mopai, and especially Visa for sure. You know, it depends what you're using those fins for, I suppose. Yeah, it
2: just depends on what happens when Visa comes back from Afghan because Mopai has found his way into the team and he's been really good for them but what happens when Visa comes back um, that would be my only concern but he is just a very different FPL asset to to Tony right it allows you to do a lot more I probably wouldn't do it because there's too much risk about Visa coming back and it being an issue for you but yeah I pick someone like Adebayo over him probably I mean the difference is Maupai will probably play in 26 whereas Adebayo
0: is not going to so Mapai is likely going to get 65 plus minutes in both those matches in the double I think the the ceiling is just it's too low for me to waste a transfer and bring in a player like that and if you don't have KDB or a couple of these other big ticket players in your team you probably shouldn't need to drop all the way down um to you know 4.9 right now for your current strike force so I, I, I would avoid and just find the money to get Tony if you're really set in owning a B. All right. Thank you again so much for engaging with us on all of our social platforms and sending in your questions. It really helps us produce the show and have more banter to talk about each week. We're going to take our final break and we're going to end on our transfer plans and captaincy
1: shouts. And we are back and I'm going to try this in my English accent because it sounds a lot better in an American accent. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Transfer plans and captaincy shouts. How about that? Go.
0: shout it from the rooftops, Dano. Shout we, it from the rooftop. It. We love it. I mean, the Brit <laughs> the Brits are dominating me two to one on this uh this pod this week. So you did a good job there. I'm, I'm I mean I'm... when
1: Harry's on the pod, we go a lot more a lot more <laughs> English now, right? So um Harry, let's start with you. What are you were thinking for Game Week 24?
2: I really I'm really struggling with my transfers this week. A lot of it will come down to whether I can play either. Eze or Gordon this week. Um, I, I look I like the look of Solanke to to Darwin or to Tony, and I find it really difficult to decide which of the two I should buy because of course Darwin is better short term, but Tony has the fixture guaranteed in 29 and 26. And if Sal is back, what does that do to Darwin's nail to play all three of the next three games? So Slanke will probably go to one of those two. And then I'm looking at Eze to potentially Jotter, but I'm pretty tight on money with that. So I've got 2.2 in the bank, so I could just about make those two transfers. But because I've got so many injuries, I might be forced into a minus four, but a lot will depend on what happens in the the cup midweek. Because if Villa win, then I might end up selling Watkins. If Chelsea win, then Palmer or Saka could could be the, the make way for the budget I need. And De Bruyne could find their way in in that case. But I can't get to De Bruyne without selling either Watkins or Saka, which... I don't massively want to do at the moment.
0: Yeah, we've seen Saka round into goal-scoring form. He's got three goals, I believe, in his last four matches. So he's trickling in the points. No big double-digit hauls from Saka, though. And it's kind of interesting looking at the upside mm. from Saka versus Watkins, because those are easy transfers where you can downgrade to either Jota or Darwin. So you know, what is your take on the ceiling for a Saka versus a Watkins? Do you think they... Watkins actually might have the upper hand there
2: yeah I feel like Saka's consistent right we we get a bit annoyed with him because he doesn't explode but if you do look back at his points he does tick along pretty nicely whereas Watkins goes blank blank because he's not on penalties he's not on free kicks he doesn't have any roots points apart from open goal but then you know he comes in with a 19 pointer which we don't really see from Saka so kind of depends what you want from your assets right whether you like that explosivity and you're happy to hold them for a while or you like points every week, which is probably where the I thought uh-huh. I like just, you know, six sevens every week. I don't need a 19 pointer if I'm not going to captain you. So, yeah, one of those will probably go and it will probably be decided on the cup result midweek.
0: Initially, when you look at the fixtures for Villa, you're like, all right, United, Fulham, NFO and Luton. Mm. That's a pretty good run. And then Arsenal have West Ham, Burnley, both away and then Newcastle at home, then Chef U. So. You know, the next four matches, they're pretty good for both. And so it's just one of those situations where you're going to be losing a good asset no matter what. I think if you're going to go and attack the double, you just have to be prepared that, you look, any player I transfer out could get a double-digit haul. And it just is what it is, but you're trying to maximize the points in the double. So there could be some real FPL pain coming up. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll wait for more. Decision-making decision making trees coming up later in the week, but let's let's wait for the results of the, the replay in Chelsea, Villa, and hopefully save your transfers until closer towards the deadline. All right, Dano, you're up. What do you got for us?
1: Yeah, well, I have just one free transfer, so I'm likely to roll this week. I think it's better to wait for information and use my two free transfers in double game week 25. I'm quite happy with my team this week. I already have a, a benching headache. Um, I'm likely going to have to bench Bowen I know they're at home to Arsenal so I don't mind benching him in that although we've seen he can return in any games so yeah I think I'm just going to wait until a double game at 25 possibly take a red arrow this week without the Richarlison without a second Liverpool attacker because I already own Diego Jota um, and then see how I land next week my big decision is what to do with Trippier because it mm-hmm. it has been in my plan for a while to take him out to use his funds for the double game week players, so I can upgrade my midfield. But he's starting to look like he's getting returns again, and he's also quite a good differential. And he plays in Game Week twenty six, albeit against Arsenal. So
0: Man, I will I will tell you this. I have not owned trips this whole season, and that's why I've been not having a great season, to be honest. Yeah. But I was very fortunate and lucky to have him have a goal and an assist and not be on any bonus points this week. So to only have nine points, I felt like I got away with one uh, considering the, you know that performance from trips. When you're looking at trips and Trents, it's like, man, if they're not keeping clean sheets, there's only a few defenders trickling with attacking returns. I think that was one of the themes of this week. It's like, how many teams did you see across the community that had less than five points in their back line? I had three. I had three points between four <laughs> defenders. I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, I just want all the money in new attack, but uh, you'll, you'll have that uh, decision to make coming up. But rolling, and then uh, if you roll, that also gives you the the transfers to play around and like, all right, do I need KDB or not? Having two freeze and making that type of move could be very helpful in comparison to making a transfer you don't need to make this
1: Exactly. Week. I also have issues in my team which might become bigger issues than I realize. Like I have a stupid Jan. I think he might become an issue. Um, I thought he would be a solid hold for the next six, seven game weeks, but we've now seen him come off at half time and then not start the game after. So I'm not as confident as keeping him as I was. Um, Bowen is consistently dropping down in price, but he's another player who plays through the blank. So as it stands, I could quite easily get an 11 out game week 26 and a good 11 out in game week 26 too. And the more double game week players I bring in, the more issues I create myself. So I just need to really make a decision how many double game week players do I want to bring in? I think if I swerve a double game week defender I can have five double game weekers and then a good 11 in game week 26. So that's probably where I'm going to head and then just possibly take a small red arrow those two weeks and hope I make it up later on in the season when I use my free hits.
0: I rate I rate that type of uh negotiation with yourself. It's just the <laughs> the the FOMO of not having the top guns during the double is, is, is tough. I think that's, that's one, well, you'll, you'll have to try and stick to your, your route there. But I mean, if you're getting a good 11 out right now for 26, you're in a good spot. I mean, I look at my 11, I'm like, I got Maddie cash coming in for a one pointer. You know, am I going to take a hit to sort him out? I got Lasells, So my, my game week 26 looks much worse, but I'm, I'll be going all in on, on 25 and hopefully I'll be able to take a hit and won't feel as bad
1: (laughs) my fifth defender is Ethan Pinnock I've been holding him for for so long and every time I play him he gets 1.0 points highly likely to bench him even for his double game week there's no way I'm Mm. going to start him against Liverpool and Man City but he does play in game week 26 away to West Ham I think it is so
0: yeah and plays in 29 right exactly so So he's he's a helpful helpful guy to have yeah
1: He'll get
2: three points over the two game weeks, but he's a helpful
1: guy to have. And your favorite player, Ben Mee, is going to get all the points, as we've seen over the past Exactly,
2: Bullet header
0: incoming, for sure. (laughs) Uh, All right, lastly, just touching on my team quickly, I'm likely going to move for Johto or Darwin. I don't know for who yet. I need to either downgrade Watkins or Saka, and it's just a punt that I'll, I'll most likely take. You know, originally I was thinking like, all right, if Darwin's picking up a knock and he's not as healthy, maybe I go Tony over Darwin because then he would also play in 26. So that's something else I'm I'm weighing up. Game week 24, Wolves versus Brentford. So Tony should have some opportunities to score there. So I just want to make my move for one of these double game weekers this week and hopefully hit a, a few strings of returns. And uh, yeah, that's something I'm looking at. So now let's end on captaincy and get out of here so uh harry who do you have for cap this week
2: it's going to be on harland as long as we know that he's going to start but yeah harland i'm pretty certain i'll end up on i do like live placets if i ended up bringing in darwin or shorter they'd probably go close but i don't think i can look past harland still
0: especially after seeing him confidently play 85 minutes is that how yeah, long exactly. he played for today you know if he, if he would have played 61 minutes then maybe you know like oh he's still building fitness he's he's not there but to play 85 minutes, especially, you know, once they went up 3 1, there really wasn't any reason to keep him on other than to build form and just get him back in and get some more minutes. So I think that means that Pep thinks he's definitely fully, you know, healthy yeah. enough and he should start and play 70 plus minutes versus Everton, is what I would expect. Dano, you agree there? You're going to be capping Holland. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm going to be captain Holland for sure. I think Pep's going to really want him to get a goal sooner or later to get his confidence up, to yeah. hit some form before the Champions League. So he's going to be my captain for sure. Unless, of course, we wake up at 2 a.m. and see that he's benched.
0: Yep, I think this is a uh, three for three here. I will be capping Holland as well. I went differential this week with KDB and ended up with the same amount of points, which was a little disappointing given his uh, zillions of crosses early in that game. But... Holland is a beast that I do not want to go against. And hopefully some of my other assets will come good and hopefully lead to green arrows as well. So ladies and gentlemen, this is a pod. Thank you so much, Harry, for joining us. Why don't you give a quick plug on where everyone can find your fantastic work. And yeah, thanks so much again for for coming on and helping our humble podcast grow here as we attract fans, not only across the U S but worldwide as well. So we appreciate you big time.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Um, Yeah. FPL, Harry, wherever. And I th- leave five stars on podcast. Is that what I meant to say for you guys? Um, <laughs> so I'm used to saying like, and subscribe, but uh, yeah, leave a five star review on Spotify, Apple music, or wherever you guys listen to. Thank you very much for having me. It was good to chat and I hope I can be back on again at some point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that is it for us. So best of luck this game week, everyone, we are going to come into the last game week before the massive double. So hopefully, oh man, hopefully all of our assets just stay healthy, right? Our current double game assets, I don't want to be wasting transfers on those players before a double. So that's actually what I'm hoping for most. I could even handle a small red arrow as long as all my double game wickers stay healthy. So best of luck this game weekend. We'll catch you again soon. Bye.